everyone and welcome back to meet me at the drama block yes i hope you're all well we've got an exciting episode today with miss sophie hurst joining us today <laughs> Woo! Hello. <laughs> oh my goodness i this has been a long time in the like me and emily have been discussing this before we pitched the idea to sophie and now she's agreed to do it and we were like no way is she gonna come on <laughs> so today we're gonna be talking about the fashion industry because uh, you guys seem to enjoy our last episode about the fashion industry and like fast fashion and that kind of thing yeah. so now we're getting the inside scoop of someone that's actually working in the fashion industry so i hope that you like this episode and give some support to miss sophie hurst yeah and let's get into the disclaimer so just a quick disclaimer before we start. We just want to keep this podcast light-hearted and non-judgmental. And everything that you send in will be kept anonymous. We just want to say we're not professionals and we recommend seeking the expert's advice if need be. Yep, and we are just two girls that want to help you guys out and add another perspective into your own situations, as well as issues that we're all enduring at the moment. We hope you enjoy. Enjoy! <laughs> right so let's get into this sophie do you want to introduce yourself a little bit like, yeah 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 how did you get into like um the fashion industry and everything like what interested you what did you do at school maybe as well because yeah. like our school didn't do textiles or anything like that as a subject no. I, it. So I was really interested to find out how you like actually got into the sewing yeah. game and everything um I'm Sophie and I'm currently on my placement year um I go to Manmet University and Emily's right like we never did textiles at school um but at school I did um like art photography I did psychology at school which is actually really interesting and such a good subject uh, which Amelia did you study as well thank you yeah <laughs> um <laughs> yeah so I don't it's really interesting I don't really know how I got into it I think because it wasn't around school like it wasn't really it wasn't like I was one of those kids that like was sitting there sewing like in my spare time I never did that which is quite funny because like some of my friends have like been like that like their parents were like um machinists and stuff like that they've really grown up around it and I just like I know it's really cliche but I remember going around the Alexander McQueen exhibition in London with my mum and my friend, and I think my sister was there as well. And I think I was about 14. And you know when like, something wows you? Like I walked in mm. and I was like amazed. And I think it was also like the exhibition was put on like so amazingly and they really curated it. Um, and at that moment I kind of knew, I was like, I want to be part of this. Like I want to be part of something that makes you go wow. Yeah. Because I liked art, but I wasn't amazing at art. Do you know what I mean, like I was, I was good and I did well at it and I really enjoyed it. But I wasn't ever like, I'm going to be an artist when I'm older. But I really wanted to do something creative. And so that kind of started off. And then from there, I did like experience, like work experience. And every time I did work experience, I was like, I love this. Okay, I want to go more from handbags to fashion. And then I did women's wear. And then it was like, oh no, women's wear isn't really for me. Okay, men's wear. And so it's kind of been like a natural progression. Yeah. Um, but just random little roots, really. So when you were at school, was there like a specific teacher that like, helped you into it 
like did you have to really search for it because obviously like at our school because Sophie went to our school she's two years above us so <laughs> honored to have an old school person on here <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah our school it was very much promoting like law or business or like science medicine like those kind of industries and I feel like when people did art or psychology art or photography I feel like people are like oh they're the easy subjects I'm not kidding you though those subjects like art drama food tech like DT were probably the hardest subjects in terms of coursework like dedication like creativity like it's all great to do science and I'm not discarding anyone that does that but obviously like that's information that you're retelling like this is your own brain that actively trying to think of new things progress in different ways like learn new skills not just like recite a textbook so was there like a person that made you feel like no this is definitely for me um I had some really good art teachers actually um I don't know if you guys remember Mr Corliss I had him and he was my form tutor as well he never pushed me in the direction of fashion specifically or he did more towards the end when I was applying for uni and stuff um but I think he like really he pushed my boundaries like I remember I used to get really annoyed I come home I'd be like he's made me do more work and my mum was like go on go with it you know he was always like pushing me because I was I was very much like a kid who reacted like if somebody told me I wasn't good enough I'd go home and try 10 times harder I wouldn't be like oh well they're wrong um and I feel like he really inspired me mm. um but I never really I did like one fashion piece at school and that was only because I needed to do a fashion piece in order to like put stuff in my portfolio because obviously I was trying to apply for like fashion school mm. and all I'd done is art so I was trying to like weave some stuff in there but I didn't ever do anything very good um but more like I don't know I think with the subject I literally say the same thing that you just said Amelia like whenever anybody slagged it off I'd be like well it's actually really difficult like yeah. I sat so 50, awesome. I know, 30 hours of exams back to back because I had them all in like one week art and photography like I went to bed and I had to wake up the next day for my photography exam straight after my art one mm. um but I think people were really accepting of it because I think people just knew that was me yeah like they never nobody really pushed me towards doing the academic subjects because I don't think I ever gave up the impression that I really was interested and so I think yeah. school were quite good at like if you weren't interested in it they did find your passion in another route mm. but I was never going to be a doctor or anything like that like that was never really on the table <laughs> I just think, like fascinating that you did something that was stereotypically like against what was the given path like yeah. and it's the same with Emily it's like drama school or fashion school compared to like yeah. university like London Uni or like Oxford and Cambridge it's like you're going to a place where there's creativity like constantly around you and it's going to spark all these things and I feel that's one thing that school did do was take away the magic of your creativity in a sense that you might be the most creative person in the entire world but if you're not academic it's overseen in a way and I think as soon as you step into that art room and I, I, I did this, like, you know, when you used to do like those school tours or something, the one room yeah. I always went into the art was the art room, because it was like pure magic, you go in there and it just feels like, 
I can breathe again. It's not like a boring classroom. It's like, oh my goodness, this is where I can experiment. This is where I can do something. Because we did that, um, what's it called? Extended project thing. And I did yeah. 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 And I did mine in the art room. And I mean, I got some good work done in that space rather than just like a normal space. And I just, it's, I, yeah. It's so productive in there. Like I remember that at GCSE, like it was just so good to be in there. And the thing is like those bits of creativity, creativity, creativity <laughs> was where like in those departments where they obviously that was like in like an art and like the performing arts block and stuff and different things, but they'd obviously push you more and you'd like be like be pushed to do those things. Whereas everyone else in the school would just kind of be like, Oh well, kind I feel of. Like I lived in a bit of a bubble because I literally mm. I remember having my form there, like my sick form. I think I'd only leave to go to psychology and I come back again. Yeah. So I felt like I was kind of in that like art bubble. So yeah. I kind of don't really know what it was like with the other side of the school, like because I never, I barely ever went into the science block or the English block. I wouldn't go in for weeks. Like, did you, have, uh, do, did you guys have this as well? I'm assuming you did. We had like people come in as like to test like what sort. We did like a big long quiz. In like, I remember this. Yeah, like a careers quiz thing. Oh, and yeah. remember, they told us all what would be best for us. And then they brought in people to talk through the options with us. For you, did any of those creative ones come up and what did they react like? Because for my drama ones, they were like, what do you want to be? And I was like, an actor. And they're like, hmm. Um, well, and I had to convince them with the experience I've already had that it was a good idea and was possible for me. And they were like, oh, yeah, maybe. But if I didn't have those like things saying I'd already done jobs, then I don't know what they would have said. So like for yeah. yours, what did they say? Because honestly, I remember sitting there thinking, oh my Lord, like yeah. I love these pessimistic people around when some people really won't do it if they hear someone say no, no, constantly around them and you just got to keep pushing through. I guess that whittles down the people that really want to do it. But did they say anything like that to you? Because they did to me. <laughs> I just remember, I don't remember anybody. I can't remember going through an interview thing. I just remember doing the test in the hall and then getting my sheet of paper back with my, like my list of jobs. Yeah. And only two I can remember. And one was radiographer and the other one was designer. And I can't remember. I can't remember if it was like fashion specific or it was just designer. But at confession time, I, oh, I, thought, I don't know. Nobody's ever going to tell me the offer for this. But um, I changed, I put my answers to make it, to make me more designer. Oh, yeah. I knew that was what I wanted to do yeah. and I was really worried that if <laughs> I basically like cheat the test I was really worried that if it came back saying that I would be doing something else then I then something was like something better like bigger than me a test was saying that I wasn't suitable for the career that I wanted to go into and I was really worried about that because I'm sorry but radiographer I would not be a very good radiographer isn't that like the like lie detector people I've no idea. I don't know. But I was worried it's like an algorithm kind of thing. Yeah. And then they'd be like at school, well, it doesn't say you're very good for that. So why would you want to do it? Which they never did, because obviously also what yeah. you know and what you want to do is way more important than what a test tells you. But yeah, I was really conscious of that in the test that I had to make myself seem arty so that people would believe that actually if this test told me I'd be good at it, then I could go and do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it says radiography is the process or occupation of taking radiographs to assist in medical examinations. Is it lie detector? And if it's a lie detector, that would actually be a cool job because then you can. Oh no, go. it's not a lie detector. Oh, I sorry, I didn't. I thought you meant is it lie detector people who ran the test or not? <laughs> oh, oh no! What you meant. Are you sure you're a designer? Well, I would have failed that lie detector. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like this. 
<laughs> it's all the sort of like the graphs and stuff and the people have them in hospitals isn't it oh yeah specialized nurses examine patients referred from general practitioners pediatricians and other orthopedic consultants and use radiography and ultrasonography as indicated that gave us nothing that quote i'm sorry but yeah it was some it's sort confusing. of graph thing <laughs> complete opposite of designer it's the people that the in Grey's Anatomy or the surgeons just have a go at all the time because they want their results quick oh maybe I don't know (laughs) anyway (laughs) the radiographers out there are like are you joking we need to be recognized (laughs) 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 oh my goodness if I'd never even heard of it before it came up on the little test never heard of it before I just remember them we had like people talk through our results with us yeah and then we like ch- sat there and like chatted mm. to them and I basically had to convince the person why I had to- everyone just came out like well, that was a waste of time but they yeah. just told me I don't remember that. Yeah. yeah I wonder if I did that it's really I remember. yeah gosh that, is, that threw me back actually <laughs> you guys are taking me back in time like I've forgotten <laughs> my school days we're going all the way back aren't we but one thing I would say is like the, the art people that were in our year, they would go to lunch pretty quickly, but then they would just go back into the art room. And you're oh, like, that was me. You're like, where are you? And they're like, oh, in the art room. Yeah. I was like, what do you do? Like, are you just working all the time? I think, well, you know how we couldn't go inside and it, when it was raining, stuff like that. It was also a very good excuse at times. <laughs> but also, like, my group at school, we were a very arty group. Like, all of us. All of us that I'm still in touch with, say, I think there's five of us, we're all doing an art subject of some sort. Oh, interesting. And like three, four of us went on foundation years, mm. on like art foundation years. So for a group, of, I think we're sort of like a group like nine or ten at school and then you know how like slowly you kind of like drop off a little bit. Um, the fact that like four or five of us out of the whole group of ten, like half of us were arty. That was quite unusual for a, a group. So I think like we were in the art lot more because some of us were doing work. And the others just kind of sit and chat. Point, yeah. I think that's always good to like surround yourself with people that like genuinely understand the subject you're doing and like yeah. push you, motivate you. Like, so, like, but that's like all sorts of friends, isn't it? You like know what sort of common topics to talk to them about. True. Yeah, it also made for a great day out. Like we'd go to London and like galleries. So yeah. We had like, a common interest of stuff we wanted to do, that's so um, nice. which was good actually. Oh, it sounds like a sex in the city scene. You know, when everyone's like um, super like into fashion. So they would go to like these fashion, beautiful like galleries and designer things. I feel like I feel like that is that the way forward in a friendship is to be able to go to events like that and everyone just be in an element instead of like, oh my god, this is just so boring. Like I don't even understand why I'm here. Mm. <laughs> people like that and I'm a bit like you're ruin, ruining my creative flow <laughs> yeah I get you I get you um so moving on work experience obviously um one thing that you probably need to do for fashion school is to have the work experience because there's only so much you can do as a subject at school Mm-hmm. so tell us a bit that so I remember you saying about you worked at handbag place like you did some mm-hmm. at handbags and then you went and did women's wear so, yeah. you, so how old were we at this like a time so, 
first work experience was just just turned 16. Oh, she was um, yeah so I was like in all my um like holidays like you know at Easter I'd be off like in London for like a week That's so, so I, didn't, I can't really remember holidays I'm sure I did have holidays but like my summers I'd spend me doing that or you know London Fashion Week in that like gap of Feb- like in February I remember having a few days off from school because I wanted to go on like fashion shoots and stuff and I was like allowed I was allowed to I got given um like the teacher said yeah that's fine um but yeah 16 is when I first went to London on my own to like walk into an office oh kind my of crazy that is scary but exciting taking away something you enjoy and love like that's yeah. better than doing what some people did work experience and I don't think they enjoyed it at all and they just did it for work experience and they were like get me out of here yeah I think it was like also going into a company where you know they were running a fashion show like I remember Anna Wintour like you know as an editor walked past me at the age of 16 and like seeing her walk past I was like I just was in awe of this company and just thought I want to be part of this like there's something something that makes people feel so happy and people enjoy going to and I love the kind of scene that's insane. Sorry, I'm going back to Anna Wintour thing. That's insane. Like the fact that like one of my favourite movies, Devil Wears Prada, is yeah. based off of her. And she walked past 16-year-old Sophie Hare. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. That's she didn't look at me. I looked at her. She was like, she was like, oh, you never know who I walked past. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> that's something you need to name drop more often <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it's really cool. and I'm sure that's quite that's quite that gives you more hope I'm sure as well to like I know like that you've been accepted into that place they want you there to see what it's like and then like people like that walk past you think yeah this is actually achievable mm-hmm. yeah so what yeah, was I- the kind of work that you were doing there so I can't lie, it wasn't, I wasn't sitting there designing the handbags. I wasn't, I wasn't yeah. like, you know, carrying the team or anything. Um, <laughs> I would like, I turn up, it was more just like being in the space and hearing the conversations and like, you yeah. know, like seeing how a company works and getting them talk to factories and um, setting up the events. But I was, they kind of brought me in the week before the fashion show. So it was very much fashion show preparation. So doing things like all behind the scenes you don't see like the goodie bags they had because what they did is um for their show because the handbags are really hard to show like how do you do a fashion show of handbags you don't have clothes and they had this really clever concept where basically they, they did bellboys so they had all the, the boys dressed as bellboys and it's kind of like a um, grand budapest hotel vibe and they rented out the cinema called the curzon cinema and they had filmed um, like a I don't know 10 minute clip or something and it was like a factory scene and all the kids uh, all the sorry all the bellboys like went down in a lift I have to send it to you guys so you yeah. like to see it and stuff um and it was like the bellboys worked at the factory and then they all had to pass on the bags and they had like animals in the film and stuff so basically what they did is they put on this film in the cinema invited all the guests along to come and watch it um so I did things like the goodie bags for the show because there's a goodie bag on every single seat and every single bag you packed with some sweets so I packed 600 bags of sweets for this thing like do you know what I mean like I did kind of jobs like that yeah <laughs> That's it was fun yeah. I went home smelling like sweets every day and I, I felt so sick as well because I was eating them as I was going as well oh I would <laughs> I would if there's sweets there mm. they were all pink themed as well like it was all very pink there like that was kind of their like brand identity and stuff 
That's amazing. That's such yeah. a cool. So then from there, you then did women's fair. So what was the change yeah. to that? So was it like a huge, obviously it's going to be the production of it. It's going to be very much different, but did you want to change it up and go more into the fashion like clothing or did you just yeah. go there naturally? How yeah, so so the bags, uh, so the handbag company I worked for, I got that through literally through word of mouth. Like my mum used to say to everybody she met, you don't happen to know anyone in fashion, do you? Like literally like that's how I got all these things was like my mum just telling everyone about me and just trying to get as many contacts as possible because we didn't know anybody in the fashion industry. Mm. So we used to do like that and then, when I realized okay handbags was great and like I know I want to go in this direction but not quite specifically accessories mm. I just emailed like I would sit every evening after school and I sent off like hundreds of emails so I would just scour the internet for like um smallish brands that I thought would take me because obviously like big brands you don't want to see my yeah. emails and I wasn't I wasn't qualified or anything um and so I was just looking at brands that I liked that I thought I'd be part of and that's how I found Lulu Hayes I literally just sent her an email mm. um, and then turned up at her door in, on this random week that she said I could come. That's amazing. So I, think, that. I think people underestimate, like, I learned this the other week, I did this directing course and I'm, like, people always like, oh, they won't want an email from me. They won't want like these emails. Like, I don't, what can I offer? Or I'm sure they get loads of emails all the time. And honestly, so many people are like, I actually don't, like, please send me an email. Like you've, as long as you word it well and like, like obviously like mm-hmm. they want people there obviously because they want their business to keep going they want the industry to keep going don't they so like yeah. and they know that they were in that place at some point too and I think people underestimate the power of actually reaching out to people because I know in the past I've been like oh I'm too scared I'm too scared I can't do that but then on this course I was doing the guy leading it is this like, big writer and he was and director and he was like the only people gatekeeping um your career and everything is you and so, mm-hmm. like, you've got to stop making excuses for what you're doing and just do it. And that just shows, like, how far you can come by just doing that. Like, you had so much experience just by having the balls to email. And emails are so yeah. easy, aren't they? Like, I just think people get so scared. I mean, I've got scared. Before. Yeah. And the same with, like, I'm sure we'll get onto, like, placement and stuff. That's been, like, a whole other email process. That, like, when you're trying to sell yourself with actually a qualification behind you, that's a whole other, like, board game. Yeah. Well, especially when there's other people like hundreds of other people who are trying to do the same thing as you yeah you know I wasn't really looking for much other than the fact like being there I just wanted to see as much as I could you just want to observe it you want to hear conversations to see how things are made like it's not exactly like I want to work and that's what I'm going to do it's like I'm more than happy to just watch you do your thing you know yeah literally I I do any like I do rubbish jobs and stuff but you know I wouldn't do any specifically fashion jobs but those things that I did made me see things which then I could put on my CV which has then got me to the job that I'm in now so even though okay yes like one time I was um kind of catering staff almost like doing the Mm. food for the people who were like doing all the fittings and stuff but I still got to watch the fitting so even though they didn't they weren't didn't want me going off and doing the fitting I don't know anything about it so but seeing it it still gives you experience because then you understand how it works so it's not wasted at all Mm, yeah. it's like when people say to me oh you're really lucky and going to go and do all these things and the first one I got by um, my mum doing the word mouth thing where she just asked everyone every yeah. other other every other work experience I've got is just via me being persistent and emailing yeah and that's like I always say to people just email like I, it does take time but 
you get one response to 20 emails and that'll be the one response that will send you into the industry and we'll get you there that's ins- I think that's the, like that point right there that you made was consistency and persistency mm-hmm. are just the way forward like yeah. I feel that's anything that like, obviously like we're in the area of social social media and everyone wants to pop off on any platform like TikTok or Instagram or YouTube but I think the only way you're going to do that is one be creative create content that's going to be different but also two that you're you need to be on your game regardless of the hours regardless of how much regardless if you've got an essay in for the next day or if you've got a test you're still having that period of time and you're like email after email so I'm following up as well like if you didn't get a reply a week later send another one and then at that point you kind of leave it like if they haven't replied off the second email yeah but they might not have seen it like people do get loads of emails every day so Mm. you can understand why they won't see them but it's that persistency and like a no is better than nothing right like if you get a no well then they just don't know your name so they might recognize your email next time it comes in or they might say no not now because they they can't like they don't want any more stuff they don't have room for you I've seen summer yeah yeah oh but email yeah. back in february you know that's what i've had so many times it's like are we not like taking on people now but if you email back in the summer then we'll consider it and like yeah. things like that still get you still mm. get you into it so i think as well yeah, like the networking thing yeah the networking as well like keeping emailing like your mum was doing and stuff i think and like you said all those people that you knew that you didn't even realize or you know through people it's yeah. just so easy. I think I've definitely sat there and been like, oh, but I don't know anyone who does this. And then when you actually listen to what some people say or ask others about certain yeah. things, and then they say, oh, yeah, I know someone that did this or this. And you're like, yeah. oh, I actually know more people than I realize. And also, yeah. I know before I've like done things and then kind of left that person in that time in my life. Do you know what I mean? Say I've done a workshop somewhere or like yeah. some work somewhere, I've gone, oh, I met that person then, but I've not, I've kept in contact through social media, but I've not like, followed up do you know what I mean so like I kind of just left that person that time whereas if you keep proper contact with that person and like if they say to you you know email me and you you do then that will help you further down the line because I know like I've gone I've had past directors say oh yeah like send me stuff that you're doing invite me and I'm like oh yeah I don't and then I'm like well actually they've literally just asked me to do it (laughs) like and I'm not listening to it I'm just kind of like oh I don't want to bother them or or you just leave those people there and you forget all the people you do know and have met and you just end up meeting so many people then I'm sure, don't you? But it's also yeah. fine to like then send an out of the blue email. So say you realise in like three years time you want to invite that person. I mean, what, what are they going to say? They might not reply to it, but that's not that embarrassing. Is it like, nobody's ever going to know. Yeah. But it's just like, it's just putting yourself out there and having the confidence to just like put yourself on the line. Yeah. That's so true. So Sophie, why men's why men's such a good question (laughs) I mean if I if it was me personally I would do handbags I don't know why you would be a handbag person I obsess that or trainers that or trainers because that is my area of expertise women's (laughs) fashion big no for me I couldn't do it I couldn't deal with the demand I couldn't deal with the inconsistency of sizing being a woman and finding clothes <laughs> and the clothes that you actually like I like 800 pounds and you're like damn it 
Arnetta Porter. It's so annoying. Why is it always that when you see something, you're like, you're like, that's the thing I want to buy. And then you see the price, you're like, oh my God, why am I always attracted to expensive things? It's a thing. It's, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so annoying. And I'm like, oh. And I think if I save all my pennies, and I'm like, I'm not going to buy an 850 pound dress from Sabo. Like, am I? Like, it's <laughs> But it is um, nice though. It is not the right foot. Is it, um, will I wear it enough so that I'll get my money back? No. No one's no. going to wear an 850 pound dress around someone like, and then go to the pub after. That's just dumb. It has to wear it for like 800 days or at least 400 to get like two pound for each yeah, day. Two pound <laughs> Yeah, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, men's like, where is it that draws you? Is it like the that there's a market for it or is it like you like being around men (laughs) (laughs) or is it like what is what or what sector do you like do you like trousers do you like shorts underwear like lingerie not lingerie like loungewear that that Mm. kind of lingerie I'm just saying loungewear but it just came out wrong you can do like specific courses for lingerie. I think it's called like contour or something. They have it at, like London College of Fashion and stuff. Wow. So you, can just, you can do it or you do it at swimwear. Um, but like, so I went on a foundation year after school and I specified. Mm. So we did like rotation. So we did like art, design, 3D, which is like kind of architecture kind of stuff. Um, and I landed on fashion. But I obviously going in, I knew I wanted to do fashion, but you had to do that first six weeks in order to progress. Um, and then I started doing it and I was just like, I don't know why automatically I thought women's wear. And I thought this the whole way, like when I was applying to uni after my foundation, I applied to women's wear courses. And as I was doing my work, I just, I don't know, I just didn't enjoy it. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, like I thought for like four or five years, this is what I want to do. And it's not what I want to do. Yeah. And then basically I remember doing a, a project and I was doing it and the person I found this image based on that I like was inspired by was a guy and I was like okay this doesn't make sense to do a woman's wear piece on a guy that I've been inspired by how about I try men's and basically everyone that was on my course did women's wear so it's kind of like the done thing I did this piece and I got my greatest feedback from that and they were like wait why don't you just do a bit more men's wear so obviously I went to all my interviews like all my women's wear interviews and I remember when I sat down at my Manchester Met interview but they said to me, why do you apply for women's wear? Like, your portfolio is way more sort of, like, men's wear focused. And I was like, I actually don't know that. Like, I was only just having that realisation. And, like, this lady saying that, like, confirmed it. And I went back and did another project, my final major project on men's wear. And that was when I think I realised, I was like, okay, if I like this last project, this is what I want to go into. And I did. I think it's, I can't really put my finger on why it's men's wear. I think it's just, it's a lot more simple but the detail is so important and that's kind of like how I dress I don't I'm not crazy in the way I dress I'm not particularly girly I'm quite monochrome and quite you know some people probably call it basic but I like little details and I think that's why yeah men's wear is about the little bits of stitching or the bar tacking whereas women's wear can be so much about the print and so crazy it takes away from that detail stuff Mm. um but now I'm working for Gymshark I kind of I have sort of thought I could do women's wear now because it's kind of it has got a lot of detail in it and because also I'm very into fitness and stuff I can much more like I understand it a lot more and I can I could think of ideas yeah. whereas 
give me a ball gown I do not know what to do with it I'm just I just it's not me I think that's what it is Mm. I think I love I just see I walk past a lot of people I obviously working in a shop you you notice people's outfits and the one thing that I'm always drawn to is men's clothing clothing or like obviously like their shoes but (laughs) I think when a guy can wear something that's very minimal and it could be as basic as a t-shirt but the tailoring of it it just looks so clean like obviously you look at brands like supreme or something or like bape or kith or something like that and they're just such expensive brands you think why but the way that they just when you see some a guy wear that you're like okay I can kind of see that that's what that's what the industry there like obviously a woman walks past and you know it's from Zara because of all the loud prints like Zara's known for having these loud prints in summer or stuff like that but I just love the small detailing like the little like supreme logo or like even brands on ASOS like collusion it's it's like an up-and-coming brand where it's just so minimal but it explores colors and the unisex of it and I like I like that I really do like that so what kind of projects are you doing like what's your favorite project that you've done at university um oh my favorite I mean it's kind of strange actually because and the one thing that really scares me is the fact that I'm going back next year and it's my final year. I've only ever made two things, three things, because no. of obviously COVID. So yeah. we yeah. didn't have access to the machines. So I'm kind of frightened about that because obviously now I've got to make a whole collection and I've only ever made three items. But anyway, we won't talk about that. Um, collection, that's sick. I know, a whole collection. I don't really, I think it's not like 12 items, but it's quite a few. Um, my favourite one... Probably the first one I did, which was a white shirt project, which I feel like is quite standard across fashion courses. Like everyone kind of does that, one of them to start. And oh, actually, no, that's not my favourite. No, I've got another favourite, a different favourite I'll talk yeah. about. Um, I did one based on polar exploration. Um, and so basically, whenever I start a project, I, I'm like a serial researcher. Like, you can't get me away from the research. Like, I just love a bit of research. Um, and so, like, I think... I can't, I think it's Oxford or Cambridge. I cannot remember where it is. But anyway, I went to the Polar Institute. It's called the Scots Polar Institute, um, which is basically a big archive and museum of the people who went to um, Antarctica. Um, and yeah, so I got all like the old photos and I used them for inspiration and they're all black and white, but all their details are so amazing. And I did so much research and then, I basically created this range that was then for a um, like an everyday explorer. So you're kind of like more like London kind of person. Um, and so I did a range of outfits based on like each different thing they'd like come into contact with each day. So like something appropriate for like cycling into work, something appropriate for work, something appropriate for like if it rained in London and like so on. And that was probably my most favourite. Oh my god, now I think about it, I've got other favourites. I've got so many different favourite ones. But they, they get better as you sort of go on because you yeah. learn other bits. Um, that was probably one of my most favourites though, just because the research was so interesting. So with the white t- with the white shirt, is that destructing the sh- the white like the premise of white shirt uh, like of a white shirt? 
and then making it different like constructing like moving sleeves to different places or pockets down lower like it what kind of thing did you come up with yeah so I think the reason we do it is like they basically try and teach us the basics so that project we also got shown how to make like a crisp shirt Mm. and then our task was then to go and design a shirt that's still functional for the consumer that you pick taking on board all the things we just learned but but be creative with it because they always say like be so creative at uni because now where I'm working you can't be so creative because things cost you know like you can't a little extra trim will cost so much money when you add up how many how much they buy um whereas at uni you have freedom to do whatever as long as you can afford to buy those things and you only buy one so it's it's fine um but like yeah I did this shirt I, I did my whole project on like um war and I went to the, like, the imperial war museum I did it with like a mushroom cloud silhouette and it had like a really high neck where the shirt was like up but you could fold it down so it's like a functional thing it had like rope on it like all tied based on like the images I found it was very creative like big pockets I love a big pocket all my yes. outfits have big pockets on them functional you need places like things to put places exactly and stuff. yeah that was like probably one of my most intricate pieces I've made and probably one of the best because I was actually in university for that mm. whereas now like all the other projects I've done pretty much through COVID have been design and then you have to like you do something called a tech pack which is like what you'd send to the factory as a breakdown of how you'd make it you still have to do those but I'm not making it which actually I prefer I don't love making I much prefer designing design. it which is actually much more realistic because you never make what you're designing mm. yourself you always go to a factory yeah so it has been good but I don't know I think I'm not so set up ready to make loads of clothes yes oh my gosh so when so talking about the aspect of like designing and making you started a business during COVID Mm. called Masks by Soph yeah and I just I'm not even kidding I think we spent so much money just we still we still like use them every single day your masks of like the emboss like the embossing of our initials or the color range and stuff I just I'm obsessed with it so like tell me how you made it like why would you make it was it to like get some money or was it a project like the ins and outs of masks by Soph yeah was it something to do in lockdown or did you always want to start a business at some point or just dip your water dip your water in dip your toe in it was really random actually like so I'd finished uni and I didn't have anything to do that summer and obviously all plans out the window um I remember my mum was like oh how about you make us some masks and I was kind of like well I can't really say no because I should know how to make a mask like if I do clothes I should know um and then we talked about like I didn't have I had a really tiny little machine like when I say I never like I'd never sewn when I was a kid I mean I had one of those like mini little like John Lewis ones that you get when like five years old that if you put too much fabric through it just the needle snaps <laughs> and I'd always wanted to get a machine so we talked about like, getting a machine so I bought myself a machine and an overlocker to do it properly um and basically the first one I made I did it and I remember putting it on my sister it was so small and I put a pipe cleaner through it like I was just using like household materials and I just made yeah. one like made one for my family and then made them for every family member I was like oh it's quite good and then I think maybe my mum went out and her friends said like oh 
like oh could Sophie make some of them for us because obviously they, they were super in demand at that time like yes. it was kind of when masks were kind of becoming a bit of a thing but everyone couldn't get even hold of like the plastic ones mm, yeah and it kind of just started through word of mouth and then I would before I send off an sent off an order to literally just friends so I just set up like a little paypal and I just sold them for a bit of money just to cover the cost and that time is a profit I mean now I think about it, I probably should have, like, I could have made a much better business plan for this business. But anyway, um, and then it got bigger and bigger to the, the point that it was just me doing it. And I couldn't do making them, talking to customers because it wouldn't just be one message of someone being, oh, can I have a medium pink mask? It would be, oh, what mask have you got? What colors do you have? Yes. These, these take hours to reply to like 10 different people. Like, and the backwards and forwards, like, oh, there's my bank details. Like it's, it's quite, difficult when you're trying to do it all and then posting and packaging them like I hired my family like my family were like doing it as well yeah. and so I set up a website and at that point I was just thinking oh how can I get more colors so I did like tie dyes and they were quite popular at the time so and I did like the monogramming oh, um yeah and then I started reaching out to people so I went through like everybody that I kind of liked on social media and I emailed them and I sent one email um to a lady and she then posted them to her hundred and something thousand followers and I woke up that morning and my website had just gone like you know you're just like why is my phone blown up overnight and yeah. I think I had like 30 40 orders and I was like oh my god I I can't do this like how am I gonna get these masks out in time because Obviously, people want people want everything now, and that's the problem with it. Is people want yeah. things now, and when you're bespoke, you can't wait five business days. It's like no, next day. Yeah, people want them. People expect next day, and then obviously you're trying to do it next day because you want to please the customer. You want a good review, and so that was when I kind of, I just I took on a few people. So one was a girl um, that was family friends with like my boyfriend, and she mm. she quite fancied sewing, and she didn't have anything to do at summer. And I was like, hey, why don't I teach her to sew? And then I'll pay you to do some sewing and we'll give you something to do. And she was like, yeah, cool, let's do that. And another lady who, again, like, you know how we spoke about getting in touch with people and like just reaching out. This lady had um, taken up my prom dress. And me and my mum were trying to think of everybody we knew who was a seamstress. We couldn't think of anyone. My mum was like, why did you contact Tess? She did your prom dress. Just sent her a random text being like, you probably don't remember me because this was like four years ago. But if you're not busy, do you fancy making some masks? And she's like, yeah, sure. So she made tons for me. And that's kind of like how we did it. Yeah. So I then at one point had the two of them working for me, um, which really helped because it meant that I could then do the things like the photography for the website. Because mm -hmm. setting up a website takes ages. Like it does. Keeping mm -hmm. updated and the stock control because obviously I sell them over our fabric, things like that, oh. uploading to Instagram, messaging, emails. Like there was so much to do. Um, and then I got into doing master businesses where I then would then pay someone else to embroider the business logos onto the side of the mask. And that really picked up as well. That, and yeah, that was I remember. So, what was that? Um, it was like a, was it like a tree business? Yeah, like um, construction business. It was a gate business, like a wooden gates business. But their logo yeah. was like trees. Yeah. It was like a tender yeah. business. Um, and I did them some masks. And then took photos of them and then posted them. And then a couple of other companies came forward 
and so I did a lot of that for a while um amazing so yeah so it it kind of just grew out of boredom and then people wanting it and then me just catering to what people wanted and it did keep me busy like it was it was like I was in a full-time job the whole time Mm -hmm. it was it was quite insane for a while it's quite stressful at points as well Mm. um but I look back on it and I I'm so glad I did it because it made me also learn how you run a business like obviously my business was a very very tiny small scale but how you would run a business and the things that I've learned I probably wouldn't do again yeah things the future I just I love that like I like the fact that you obviously you make mistakes and you work out because if you're getting like 30 if you're going from really small scale to literally just sending an email on a whim to someone there's like a hundred thousand followers and then all of a sudden your stock has gone and you're like crap like I have no time to make mistakes with these marks I have no I can't afford to lose this fabric because I don't know when the next time is going to come because everything's delayed like there's so much things that you like start to learn and you depend on companies but the companies might not deliver and then that filters Mm -hmm. into oh god so that production and that's another thing what you said was everyone everyone wants something now they're expecting like a cost a a cost a source delivery like next day amazon delivery next day like it's a small business and then you get the karens that are like expecting my order to come the next couple of days and you're like it's made to order and you also want it embroidered and you want to pick your thing and also you want to reply three hours later it's not <laughs> my problem and you're like whoa that's it's so interesting I think that's one thing I definitely learned from you watching your like business grow was like that like working out the colors and what people like and creating mm. colors that would be in demand and even making mm. a product which people are going to need and thinking about everything like the three the three layers I'm going to create an insert so people can put coffee filters in which is so well made I'm, I was just completely like wow yeah were okay. there any things that you were like surprised were so popular or surprised that they weren't at all um I mean, the tie-dyes were super popular, yes. like so popular. Um, I mean, I I kind of just did the colorways that were popular. I probably could have branched off into patterns, but the problem is, is like you go into creating a business, there's so things that realize like a lot of patterns, like fabrics are copyrighted. So oh, you couldn't, really? so if you saw online, some of the stuff is like illegal, like um, say I bought like a Disney print, Hmm. and I made masks but then I sold the Disney print I think that's actually illegal because it's a copyrighted fabric and they're making money off of the fabric so that's mm-hmm. why I went the kind of plain route because they're not copyrighted and I made my own tie dyes because there's no problem with that but I there was a lot of people I did see like sort of later on developing like, there was a really lovely one I saw line like little dash hounds and it was really cool and I could have gone further with it I could have like asked mm-hmm. somebody to do some artwork for me and collaborate with like a graphic designer and I think of things now and I'm thinking, oh, I should have done that. But at the time I was already drowning in work. I yeah. didn't have time to think about doing that. And oh my God, the biggest thing I learned is that the customer service is so important. Like yeah. I don't, I can't remember getting any complaints. 
because what I did is if I thought it was going to be a day later or it wasn't in what I would think would be an appropriate time frame like one or two days um I'd email them and just be like you know it's just me working on it I hope you don't mind I will let you know as soon as I send it out and literally every time I got back and email, go do not worry like no rush no stress at all and I think they liked the fact that I was like really on the ball and I never got people angry at me going where's my order because I kept them updated the whole time Mm. yeah that was that was something I learned and that's so important to retain your customers but then I got repeat customers because people then telling their friends and then you know people would then wear them and after a while they do deteriorate because you're wearing them so much but then buy again so that was a big like learning curve as well it's amazing I'm just shocked and I think that's the most impressive thing like seeing things like obviously at school you don't know about this stuff you don't know about like the big scary world like or creating a business like you learn skills that like you self-teach yourself everything and then like oh that didn't work I'll move that there and I'll do this but customer service actually communicating with people people aren't as understanding as you think like regardless of your age like there's there's people in Etsy that I see they're like 11 years old getting like 2,000 sales each month. But the, like the reviews, I'm like, this is an 11 year old kid and just making a bit of money. I don't understand how you can be so like rude to an 11 year old kid. Like they can't drive to the post office. Is that what you're saying? Like, why, why are you having a go? But that's, I just, lo- I just love that whole journey. So mm-hmm. h- how long was your business adventure for? like was it like a did you have a set amount of time that you wanted to do no so I don't actually know that so I started it off in the June and it re-picked up through June July August mm. and then it kind of came to a natural close when I went to uni in mm. the September I mean I was doing a few at uni but not the scale um and I, I part of me I was closing it down and I was getting you know I didn't I shut down the website um, and that was just because I was worried that doing the master take over my uni studies yeah and I obviously knew that as great as masks were and you know an amazing to my CV and an amazing learning curve going forward masks isn't what I wanted to do forever so to me no. getting a good grade at university had to take precedent over that yeah um so it kind of came to natural close. It was quite a short stint. It felt like a lifetime. So the fact that it was only like, what, three months is quite yeah crazy. And like, even now, I do get the odd one. Like I did one a couple of weeks ago for a lady that ordered, ordered from me back when I did it a lot. Um, I did the odd, like I did a few with um with Lulu Hayes that I used to work for. Um, yes. I She sent me fabric and I used to make some masks for her. So I do the odd thing like that, but it's not an active website anymore just because I don't have the time for it. Oh, I probably do have the time for it, but it's not in the exact direction I want to go. So mm-hmm. therefore, I'm just taking a little bit of a step back. Mm. But it did feel like forever <laughs> when I was doing it. So it's been 10 days from the moment they saw it to the moment it was uploaded by Ecom onto the website. It was then in the customer's hands. Like, that is crazy fast. That is crazy. And that's fast fashion. That's like that is next so level. That's too much. And then you think, actually, in that speed, they really don't have time to think about 
where all the stuff's coming from and all of that because they're trying to get out so quick. Because their aim with that jump suit and literally what they said on the documentary was, we want it on our website before anybody else has got it on their website. Yeah. Because, because you know that other brands are going to do a similar thing, yeah. but it's who can get it, who can get it on their website first because and the customer will go to the first place. Cheapest, yeah. And the quickest. And it how it's it's literally the and I hate I hate it so much. Like, yes, I know it's cheap. I know it's coming the next day, and I know that it's trendy. But why like those things? they don't have then they're not good and people continue to still do it and I'm like you don't if if you're buying an outfit for next week why do you need it next day I tell you what as well I've been watching like I don't know if you watch the Sophia or Amelia but the Great British Sewing Bee I absolutely love like every year and since watching that like some clothes I don't buy I try not to buy from fast fashion things like those sorts of ones often because of like you know the harm and but sometimes as well like the poor quality I mean obviously so much design and everything has gone into it all together but like now I've seen about like pattern matching and like all sorts of like stuff with the buttons and a whole load of stuff and you see actually like how because it's been so quick it's not been like properly like made like tailor's wood or anything like that Mm -hmm. it's like you start to notice those little things the money I'm paying for something here is like something if I learn I could probably make do you know what I mean it's exactly. so, so hard we, like we went on a um on like a, a trip to Porto which is based in Portugal um back in February just before COVID started mm-hmm. um and we went around all the factories and we saw like this factory that was doing garments and they run like like clockwork like one person will be doing all one like I don't know so the back of a shirt you know you have like the line across the back one person will be doing that like a hundred times over and over and over again it's not like they sit there and then they do the cuff and then they do the collar and then they make it one person will just be that one line over and over again because it makes them really quick you just churn it out like and that's how they do it and like so obviously the odd one will be wrong because they've done it so quickly it's not been checked no yeah. and the other thing that I always find with like faster fashion is because of the tight deadlines I don't know if this is 100% true, so I, please don't quote me on this. But what I, what I personally noticed is that they don't have time to do the extra samples and, and stuff for it. So the fit isn't always as good as if you paid a little bit more for it. Because, you know, at Gymshark, for example, they have fits. So every garment is fitted on the same lady and same man. And they come in, I don't know if it's once or twice a week. And they literally, they put the garments on them and they're fitted and then they like they check every detail then they'll they'll go back for multiple multiple iterations so it's perfect but like they will not send it out unless it's perfect oh, I love whereas that. i'm sure like when i was watching the documentary with this um bodysuit they're like oh it looks all right oh it's good enough like that kind of comment mm-hmm. as in like they didn't really have time to send off for another sample so that fit was what they were going to go with because i mean the customer's only paying however much for it anyway and that's so you're not expecting the quality. Yeah, that's where the difference lies as well. Like you can tell from the stuff you were saying about your business and theirs because of the large scale of theirs. And it doesn't matter too much because they can afford to have those like little things being just good enough. Whereas like your smaller business, yeah. you just, I mean, I, I'd be like, oh no, no, like I need it to be because you you feel like you've got to impress everyone in order to get somewhere because they were really like, that. It's just, it's crazy. 
but just like any if you went and bought from any of these fast fashion brands online would you buy because of the quality or because you wanted the trend mm. I would never buy from you going oh that's been really long lasting and last me forever mm. I don't personally I don't ever think like that I buy from them when I'm in a rush and when I need it now yeah that's so true and I can't find it anywhere else so I'll just get that one yeah and it will come to quality but I'll be like like the material if you need it for that one intention like you need it for that one party then you don't really mind nobody notices if you wore it 20 times it would probably fall apart I, I I've got to disagree with you in terms for what I would say like you know when you say that about like the quality like would you buy for the quality or the trend Kidding you. I like the quality. The trend doesn't. I I will say that. Like, if you look at my one thing that I've always done since I was a kid is, how long is this going to last me? Hmm. And I've always liked the concept. I bought this book when I was quite small, but it was called the curated closet. Like, how Hmm. if I buy one thing, can I wear it seven times? And in diff- seven different ways. If I can't, I can't. And I'm not being horrible to anyone here. I've gone to many gabs in my time. <laughs> and I think half the time I just think, oh God, that don't look right. No, I don't like that person's outfit. And the one person I always like is when someone's polished and clean. And it's as simple as like a bodysuit, blazer, and trousers. It's just mm. so simple, so clean cut. And I just think someone with a pattern top, like a pattern top that they got from Zara, and then someone comes in and it's the same top, but just in a different colorway. And you're a bit like, oh God, seen it all the time. But I, I will say quality is the one thing that makes me comfortable and confident to go out. So I would have to disagree in terms of that, saying that because a lot of people do buy for the chip, but I like to really source into my brands because I don't like misguided clothes I don't like pretty little thin clothes I don't like anything no same I just think I I don't need buy fast fashion ones if I was like oh like like the trend would take over my brain that's why I'd buy from them but I would I'd be off because of the quality because I'm I'm funny like me and my mum were really funny about materials like if it's a funny material, we're like, oh no, that's a funny material. We can't wear that. Like, or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. There's just certain things we're quite picky about those things. So like that's where I w- that's why I'm put off by those places because you can't guarantee what that it's going to be like when you turns up. Whereas obviously you start to know the quality of other places. So I agree with you on that sense. But like if yeah. I'm going to buy from a fast fashion, it's because the trend's taken over my brain and I've gone. I like that it's one. It's literally, like, I have a classic example of, of literally today. Like, so we've got a summer party coming up in a couple of weeks. And people keep asking me what I'm going to wear. And I keep asking other people. And I don't know why I keep asking everyone, because I don't know why I do it. So everyone's asking everyone. And it's so funny, you ask the guys, that I like, I'll pick one in the morning. It is so funny that the guys, honestly, it works. And they're like, I haven't even thought about it. And we're like, what are we going to wear to work? Like, what do we do? Um, I think it's partly because we've never gone to a party like that before so we're unsure as to what we should wear and what's appropriate and when they say festival theme I mean you go to some interesting festivals and that's definitely not appropriate for a work party like you know so I was having a bit of this like what do I wear so I went on ASOS and I bought 
to up a bit some misguided stuff which I feel really guilty about probably won't keep it <laughs> <laughs> really just looked at me with disgust but it's so 80 20 it's fine you know like that 80 percent 20 yeah but the thing is I haven't bought it because I haven't got anything I haven't mm-hmm. bought it because people have seen everything I've worn these people haven't seen half what I've got because I haven't really been in the job long enough for everyone to see and I don't know it I'm doing it because I and I hate to say it but because I'm I want people to think wow and I want people to like what I wear Mm. and I'm obviously conscious about it and I was trying on the clothes and I don't like any of them but I'm thinking oh is this good enough and then that's coming over my brain going okay it's cheap and literally the only thought comes to my brain is it good enough then I'll get one wear out of it but I shouldn't be thinking like that yeah I'm fearful that if I go for something in my wardrobe think people are gonna think I'm boring and I'm probably sure nobody really cares no so I probably should just send the whole lot back and just pick something out my wardrobe I heard, I heard <laughs> the other day say um you know how people always worried about if they look bad or something like that apparently people only really notice when you look like even better do you know what I mean? So like, if you yeah. look really good, they're like, wow. Whereas wow. other people don't notice. They don't, they're not like clocking, oh God, they look awful today. Or that like yeah. sock with that shoe isn't, you know? I don't know. Like, I guess yeah. I think we think that everyone's going to be pernickety and noticing every single item we wear. Like I'm always yeah. like, oh, they probably thought I've worn this again. Oh God, couldn't yeah. she, she's worn that again. But they probably mm. haven't remembered. I just, I don't know. I just expect everyone to have a crazy memory. I'm not sure yeah I know exactly what you mean like I'll just think about that one time like next week we have a leave like a leavers reunion and I'm like what do I wear and I have something in my cupboard I could wear but then part of you is always like oh but there's <laughs> nothing out there that I could also get like that yeah. could be better but then I'm like well what mm. do I need it's the panic it's like panic buying because you're unsure and you want like a like, justification mm. and then you'll probably try to be like oh I probably could have worn that thing I've got in my closet because this is the vibe like I'll yeah, tell you a funny so story Come on. about panic buying. <laughs> right. It was Wimbledon. It was the Wimbledon final. Oh. Right. It was also the World, uh, not the World Cup, the Euros final. So I was like, <sighs> and my brother had taken away all the football shirts. So I was like, I, I need to be patriotic here. Right. Do you know what I mean? And then I was like, okay, I have nothing to wear my sister just got into one of my brother's tiny shirts and I mean tiny shirts it was a squeeze right <laughs> so I did some ASOS shopping right and yes I admitted I do shop on ASOS it's just the ASOS misguided I don't approve of so <laughs> I promise I'm sending it back yeah you better I'm kidding <laughs> um, but yeah, so I ordered, I, I've got very bad sleeping habits at the moment, but yeah, so I ordered stuff at 3am. And I mean, I've ordered quite a lot of the Tennis Lux, um, like collection from ASOS. And it was on sale, so I was like, okay, brilliant. It was like white and forest green, you know, Wimbledon colours, it was lovely. And then I saw this thing and I thought, you know, those sleeveless jumpers, that you like put a t-shirt under or a roll neck under and everyone's yeah. like does that and tucks it into jeans I thought that would be really cool I can wear a roll neck in it in winter or I can wear it with the t-shirt in like spring so I ordered it I thought oh that's gonna be pretty cool I opened it and it was a tennis dress oh it was a tennis dress and I was like I put it on and I thought wow this it's pretty cool I opened it 
And I'm not even kidding. I wouldn't even wear it as a dress. It was nowhere even covering anything, right? And I was like so gutted because I thought, oh, it's going to be a really cool sleeveless jumper. It's got the Adidas on there, a little bit trendy. Yeah, I opened it and it had this frilly edge, which was the tennis. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. I tried it on. I was like, who am I even kidding? Why am I trying this on? And I'm not going to keep a tennis dress. But yeah, panic buying at its finest. Finest. So don't, guys, if uh, you're going to take any advice from this, don't buy stuff at three o'clock. You're a bit foggy because it's never <laughs> going to take well. <laughs> Amelia's, Amelia's wise words of the day. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll send you the tennis dress and you'll know what I mean. And then you're going to go, oh, lady, that's pretty and that's where you'll, you'll wear it. If you do like it, you'll wear it like once. And then you'll be like, yeah, that was great at the time. And you're like, yeah, I love this. Or sometimes even yeah. when you just buy things, you're like, yeah, I love this. And then you take it home and you let it sit there. Oh. And you think, why the hell did I? I mean, I'm selling loads of things on my Depop at the minute. And yeah. there's plenty of stuff there that I didn't wear. And I stupidly just should have taken back. But I didn't because um, I thought I'd wear it. And it's just sat in my cupboard and I've had too much clutter. And I'm like, I need to get rid of that. And you just think, it just sits there, doesn't it? And you think, I'm never going to wear that. Why the hell did I think in that moment I would? <laughs> or I did. Though, I really, I really struggle selling deeper because I'm like, if I don't like it, would anybody actually buy it? Because it's that yeah. gross and disgusting. <laughs> you, know, you can't sell anything. And you're like, yeah, it's because everyone else doesn't have this horrible taste that I must have had one day. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, please, someone else make the same mistake as me. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah please. Hmm. so Sophie final question for you what's the big dream what do you want to do do you want to create your own business is that do you want to work at Vogue like what's the big dream what's the aspiration what are you working towards that is such a good question and mm -hmm. you know, I haven't thought about it much because I honestly think like if you told me when I left school that I'd be sitting where I am now, I wouldn't yeah. have believed you. And like, it mm. also wouldn't have been what I would have predicted. Like it wasn't my mm. goal to be here because I hadn't, I didn't, wasn't really that aware of Gymshark when I first came out of school. You know, like I wasn't aware of the opportunities I've now got because they've all happened by tiny little links. Mm. So it's so hard when I think about the future, I don't actually know where I want to go. I just, I want to feel that like the excitement I feel every day now going to work is how I want to always feel. But I don't, yeah. I can't picture where it's going to be because I'm sure that it's all just going to work out. And like, I thought about whether I want a business and when I was younger, hundred percent, actually, I think I'd be quite happy working for someone else. Like I'm quite happy working for a brand with an ethos that I love because sometimes I don't mm. think, oh my God, my AirPods just gone. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, sometimes I don't think I could do it better. Like, I feel like sometimes creating a, a brand would only be good if you can find that niche market. And I, I don't think I can. There's nothing that I've thought I could do that better and therefore I need to set something up. And yeah. therefore I'm just happy just doing something for someone else. So I love that. I I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, I hope one day I'll be able to work full-time for Gymshark. I really do, do enjoy it there. Yeah. Maybe one day go on to I don't know another big sportswear brand I definitely think sportswear is where I want to be but again if you told me that 
back when I was on my foundation year, I thought I was doing women's wear, then mm-hmm. I did men's wear, and now I'm doing sports wear. Like, I don't really know how I've got here. It's just all random. I so who knows? Who knows where I'll be? But again, mm-hmm. just trying to make those little connections and just seeing what happens. Next, I wish we could do like, um, you know, in movies, when it's like 10 years later, and it's like Sophie, like, plastered over New York. <laughs> Sophie has brand. And there's all these, like, and men. Us for her and women. Yeah. Oh, what shoes are you wearing? The Sophie has. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. My active wear by Sophie like, has. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like... <laughs> I feel like when I was younger, it was like the dream was that like very much like Devil Wears Prada dream. Whereas now, I don't want to be part of that at all. Like that, that aside of like other brands that I worked for in London, like in the last few years, they've got that kind of very typical, what you call typical fashion. Like, you know, you don't talk to the person who owns the company. Like they don't know your name, that kind of thing. Like, you know, kind of, I mean, they're lovely brands, but it's the very much more typical thing you see in Devil Wears Prada I'm not saying it is exactly like that but working gym shop I think you're so well looked after people are so nice mm. but now I don't think I could go to that because I just think everyone was horrible <laughs> because everyone yeah. says hello and good morning and I'll like if you went to a company where people just didn't really talk to you mm. and like it's above you there's no hierarchy at gym shop obviously mm. they, there are people higher with higher positions but they don't make you feel like you were lower mm. you're not looked down on yeah as I feel like it's been quite hard to beat that kind of that feeling. Yeah, you've come in for to it. Do you think that kind of environment has stemmed because the people that have created it are quite young to the uh-huh. game? Yeah, but also the um, they had a CEO who um, called Steve, who's just stepped down and Ben's just stepped in actually uh, like a couple of weeks ago, and he's a bit older. Like he's not. I mean, yeah, some of them are like 29 years old. They started yeah. when they were 19, so they go back 10 years. And there are people sort of 40s, 50s, but they've got experience of running big companies, but running yeah. them in a nice way and then bringing that and sort of showing them that this is how you need to be with your people. And like, I don't know if it's the young, the young thing definitely does bring something because everyone's yeah. very relatable. Like the people that I'm working with who are seniors, they're only like late 20s yeah the seniors is 25 like that's you know it's that's, not very far off that's age. Lucy's age that's yeah. Lucy, that's my so, sister's age that's crazy yeah. so people are young which makes a really lovely environment because also yeah. you're kind of all on the same journey like some of them like yeah. buying houses now so it's like an interesting chat it's not like everyone's got kids and like really far away from like mm. the plat like the how the i live at the moment, you know? yeah they're like yeah. it's it's they're doing stuff that you're gonna be doing in the next couple of years. So like mm-hmm. then like they're the older sister, or the older brother. It's not like your uncle, your mum, your yeah, auntie. Yeah, like, like so much more achievable, doesn't it? Like because it's not that far away. Yeah. yeah. Is so, there anything motivational? Anything that you want to plug? Any business accounts or whatever that you want to say your little piece? Or is there anyone? like you want to give advice to completely up to you go ahead yeah so I um I, my dms are always open so I've got an instagram account called at Sophie Hurst designs and it's h-i-r-s-t um and so obviously I'm always there to help anybody as I always wish that there was people to help me like yeah. in my position when I was younger 
Um, so yeah, so all I say to people is just be super confident and just put yourself out there because the more you put yourself out there, the more you'll get back. Even if it's like 20 emails, whatever, you can always find a way in if you really want it. I love that. Well, I am, I, if Emily can join us, but it completely depends on the internet, but we just want to say thank you very much for coming on here. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I oh. feel honoured to be asked to be on a podcast. We want to say, me and Emily are both speaking at this point because Emily's Wi-Fi is dipping in and out, but we're very thankful for you to come and meet me at Drum Block out of your busy schedule. And this is like a two-hour conversation, so I hope everyone listens to it because it's such like an interesting piece piece of thing about someone that's very interesting so we want to say thank you again well thank you so much for having me I've loved every minute of this we need to catch up more often as well we've got so much to talk about yeah that's so true so if any of you guys want to have Sophie back on this podcast or if you want more things like this Sophie's a very interesting person so there's probably more that you probably want to get out of her um but yes like she said the dms are always open not for anyone that wants to be weird thank you very much strictly fashion questions only (laughs) yeah we'll filter them no weirdos but yes but thank you very much again and we'll see you at the drama block it feels so weird saying that on my own but yeah We'll meet you at the drama. See you there. I'll meet you there.